My guest today is a managing director in foreign exchange sales at a large American bank. Please welcome Espacia Losefeliz. Aspasia, how's it going? Hi, Rodolfo. How are you? I am doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thank you for coming on to this podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's always fun to talk about what someone does and maybe inspire somebody else to do the same. That's right. Exactly. Yep. That's the plan. So, all right, let's get right into this. What do you do? Thanks for asking. So <laughs> I am a managing director in foreign exchange at a bank, the First Republic Bank, an organization that offers this service as most banks do. So foreign exchange is the largest market, financial market in the world, currently estimated at 6.6 trillion in size. And that's because it's a worldwide market, right? It's a market that doesn't sleep. And uh, what I do is I trade currencies. So that's the simplest way to, to kind of to say this. Also, we help individuals and businesses and organizations manage any FX exposure they have. Great. Okay. Now, say the largest market in the world, and this is by far, right? There's not mm -hmm. really anything close to it, which is incredible. But let's back up a little bit. How did you get involved in foreign exchange? Or even before that, how did you get involved in finance in general? Mm -hmm. So I don't have a financial background. I didn't have one. Uh, coming out of college, I got a marketing degree, business administration with a concentration in marketing. Mm. And I was inspired to become an advertiser. That's kind of what I wanted to do and help sell and help position. So that was my passion, or that's what I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I did explore that career. Eventually, my, my jobs led me into, I had an opportunity to work for a financial institution in 2007. And I entered into uh, the banking system for one of the services that they offered there. And how I got into the financial institution. It wasn't foreign exchange, but being in an organization and having the opportunity to kind of explore the different types of businesses around you, especially when you're intrigued of learning new things, because I think that's what motivates me is the constant need, being in the know, what's new, what's next, uh, you know, what can I do? How can I do it? What is, what is someone else doing that maybe I like to do? So I always try to learn and, and I feel like um, I started in the valuation business when I was in the first banking institution that I started with. And um, I was exposed to different types of companies. Valuations were big. Uh, mm -hmm. Learning uh, things about that business really intrigued me. And I think that was the first time I was exposed in the financial aspect of foreign exchange because as a, an avid traveler and a, a foreigner and, and you know I've lived overseas, I feel that you were constantly in the know of exchange. Like you're, you're always using money, right? So mm -hmm. when you're traveling, I think that's a very good example of like where you get the first exposure of like, oh, this bill, dollar bill is worth this much in another country. So that was always intriguing, right? Always mm -hmm. in the back of my head. Never considered it as a career, like I said early on. And then as I worked my through uh, the, the banking institution, I found that I was an extrovert mm. and I needed a job that, had to do with something that keeps me on my toes and I speak to people. Yeah. And I explored careers in marketing, but no position in marketing seemed to be the right fit. Not because I didn't like marketing, but because it didn't have those characteristics. Right. So that kind of, I think, is what motivated me. And I explored foreign exchange. So when the opportunity was given to me, 
I realized that this is where I want to be. The foreign exchange market is something that is constantly moving. Yeah. It's constantly on. <laughs> so you can, <laughs> you can follow it as much as you like. And if you have an interest in currencies or geopolitical events, global events, commodities, this is a great place, a, a great industry to be in because you have to constantly know about these things. And, and yeah and kind of follow them around in order to be able to do your job better as well. So, so, and if you don't have an interest, then this is not the, the position. It has to be, it's a personality fit. Got so that's it. how I got into foreign currency. Okay. And then you mentioned a couple of times about it being constantly on and then the product is currencies are all around the world. So is this business 24 mm-hmm. hours out of the day? So, you know, it depends on the institution you work for. Mm-hmm. There are institutions that offer 24 seven. There are online businesses that do it, depending, like I said, where you are. Uh, my organization, I am thankful, does have a start and end to okay. the day. <laughs> oh. <That's good. laughs> so I'll say, I say we, we work, yes, we work um, East Coast hours or closest as possible to East Coast hours. So mm-hmm. we have people covering that side of the world and the West Coast. So that kind of helps as we're a domestic bank. You know, I think those hours kind of suffice currently. That said, you know, institutions tend to um, kind of tailor a work day around those 24 hours. So if they do have a 24 hour desk, doesn't mean that you'll be working 24 hours, but right. you probably on a morning shift or a night shift, depending on which side of the world and which currencies you'll be dealing with. Yeah. That's kind of how they would, they would tailor it or what I've seen from my experience. Got it. Okay. All right. Now, can you talk about your clients? Who are your clients? Are these large institutional banks? You just, sure. So you I've know. worked with all types of clients. A client, like, like I said, People that uh, travel or have any ties to overseas may have some FX exposure. And that can be an inheritance. It can be a purchase of a home, a second home, especially nowadays with COVID and the world being smaller, people trying to you know, uh, find other options of where can they work or where can they live. So you'll see that individuals and not companies are deciding to go overseas. So in that case, you probably look at a one exception or, or a few payments, let's say, for an individual, mm-hmm. uh, the the more complex, uh, the, the complexity of effects comes when you're dealing with businesses, right, where the exposures are larger, and they may be continuous. Mm-hmm. And there is a need to kind of mitigate the risk. So what FX does, and, and that's the, the where the math comes into place and any um, economic background, have can also be helpful is you we have certain products that we can tailor to help clients mitigate that risk because what's important for a company is to be able to project their expenses or project their receivables and when you're dealing with foreign currency that's a constant moving market you know you may be losing within hours minutes and I'm not even talking days you may be losing millions of dollars depending on the transaction that's taking place so being able to keep a constant on that and not worry about what um, the currency would look like in you know three days or three months of when you need to close a deal is very important to companies so that's how that's how we help and that can be any type of company that has international exposure right and you don't even have to have an international presence sometimes Sometimes it's just you're exporting products and you're receiving um, invoices and um, you're receiving funds in foreign currency because you maybe your company overseas does not want to pay you dollars mm-hmm. and depends on the currency. Sometimes there are preferences. There's no one or wrong way or wrong way. Right. So um, 
usually depending on what type of company you are, if you're a US-based company, you're dollar functional. So you want to make sure to convert everything in dollars or at least able to account it in dollars. So that's where you know uh, products, hedging products and I could talk about these because I really like to, but <laughs> there's, there's a whole slew of products that are are there to cover those needs. So with those products, and you mentioned it's the individuals, but also these companies and institutions. So with that, I'm guessing you're not just talking about the spot transactions, but you're also dealing with currency swaps and forwards and Correct. foreign exchange swaps and things of that nature? Correct. So okay. spot is anything that is until two days deliverable. So when you have a settlement up to two days, that's a spot transaction. And that's what, you know, you go in, ask for a price and, and lock in a rate. The swaps that you mentioned, the options, the forward contracts, those are all hedging products. And there are, there's a variety of them, depending on the company's need and, and the duration of a hedge, you can kind of decide. So it's a, it's like a doctor writing a prescription, <laughs> let's say, right. well, like for your effects. Yep. I like that. <laughs> I like that analogy. <laughs> All right. So now you mentioned, you mentioned how this is 24 hours, the, the markets, but you're able to thankfully have a cutoff. Do you find yourself when you get home, when you're done, able to just turn off and be present? Or are you thinking about all the things that are going on around the world and how it affects your markets? Yes. It'd be nice to say, yes, I shut <laughs> off, but that's not my personality. <laughs> so yes, it take a special person to do this job. <laughs> like I said, I, I was uh, raised overseas. So I constantly always mm. kept an eye on the news, even before I did FX. So I always had my news feeds. And back then, they you know, we didn't have um, the iPhone. So anyways, I would I would get news alerts about things. And I still do. So I, for me, what's important is to know um, not every little detail that's happening. But if I'm working on a specific currency transaction, I'd like to be you know a little bit more alert on what's happening in that market or, you know, for the next few days. So I do that. Uh, now, nowadays, given you know, the size of our team and given the, the people that I work with, you know, I, we rely on each other to be able to exchange that information. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of working for, for with a group of people in foreign exchange, where you can kind of bounce off, what did you read? <laughs> you know, how can we share information to help each other out? Yes, because, um, you know, life, is not only FX, but but FX is part of life because you want to be in the know for news, right? You want to right. you want to be an individual that's that knows what's going on and what's happening in the world. And for me, it's exciting. I'm mm -hmm. you know it's, it's not um, I don't like I said I don't think it's a career for everyone. But if you have a global market interest, if you like math, that's mm -hmm. I that's definitely one thing. And if you like knowing what's happening in the economies internationally it could be a good fit. I like that. Okay. So your background, you were in marketing and then evaluation, then you're heading into foreign exchange. What was that transition like for you? I know it's something mm -hmm. that you, you kind of gravitated towards, but was that an easy transition once you got into it? Mm -hmm. So no, I don't think any transition is easy. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we, all of us, I think uh, human beings like to get comfortable and when you impose that change to yourself or it's imposed on you, it's always difficult. I mean, not difficult, but challenging. Yep. But it's, you know, how much do you want to put into that challenge? So for me, it was like I had to change my mindset. At the time, I was writing code. So I was building content. I was content manager in marketing. 
Okay. So yeah, so I had I had already done a transition from the valuation team to uh, <laughs> to to learning how to code. So I took classes to do that, and then I decided that oh, I'm not an introvert. I can't stare at a screen all day and just code. <laughs> and I'm very proud for people that can. And I needed a more interactive job. So when I decided to go into FX, after asking people what I needed, because there is no diploma or you know you right. don't you don't go to college to study this, but you can build on some pillars. So if you have international market studies, or if you have economics, accounting, I think all those elements can help. What I did and was advised was go and learn about this market. There are a million tutorials online, learn the lingo, because uh, like every other job, it has own language. So you're talking about currencies, they have nicknames, currency pairs go by a three letter acronym. So learn these things and feel comfortable with them and then learn what's the base of each currency, right? Mm. So like what's behind it, what's the driver. And then after that, I also just to validate all my information to make sure that I was comfortable in this role. I did study for a certification. It's called ACI. Mm. It's a French acronym, but basically it's a financial market association. And it's an organization that has been around since um, 1955, and they've been trying to set some parameters around learning about FX and also the code of ethics around it. So it was a good, let's say, easy getting into this because I studied for this test, right? So I, I took the certification and it helped me validate that, okay, I understand how this works. Now I can put it in practice. Yeah. And following a team of very experts in the field for a while, it was an eye opener. And then, you know, my next career move where I am now, I, I'm able to be a managing director and, and help people even more with this. So, well, that is great. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think if you put your mind to it, you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I could be a doctor today, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, like it's, uh, it's one thing that find the inner drive and what you like. Sometimes you don't know where your career is going to take you. Like if you asked me when I graduated back in the nineties, if I would ever be in a banking position and doing foreign exchange, I probably say, no, mm-hmm. I hated economics. <laughs> yeah. I really did. And now I appreciate them and I value them <laughs> because my perspective is different. Right. right. <laughs> So it's very important to find what those drivers are. And if your gut feeling says, oh, let me do this, go do it because you don't want to regret not doing it too. Yeah, no, that's great advice. That's great advice. Listen to your gut, do it, follow it. And like you said, things change over time. Like at at first, economics definitely wasn't what what you wanted to do, but kind of gravitated towards there. And then you put forth that energy to learn, get the certification, do what you needed to do and look where you are now. So that's great and great advice. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. mm -hmm. So can you tell me about what a typical size of these deals are that you're working with? Mm -hmm. So each bank structures these differently. Mm -hmm. Um, There's there's retail rates for smaller transactions. You know, any major bank you go to, they probably if you walk in and say, I have to send something under $10,000, they probably just give you the rate of the day. Mm -hmm. That would be something that is it's not it's a it's a valid rate, but it will contain volatility. Because like we said, everything moves during the day. Mm-hmm. So in order to be able to service those clients with those needs, banks set up a rate that they, they usually offer daily for each currency. Now, depending on the size of the exposure, you know, if, if we're talking about a client that has a million dollars because they're purchasing a home overseas, then that is a different story. I think that's where any bank and any organization will step in and say, okay, let's leverage the market because it's a live market and see what we can get 
for this and offer it to the client at a better rate. Yeah. The threshold for those, you know, I said a million, but threshold can be anything. It can be uh, each organization kind of values it differently. It could be 100,000. It could be 250. It depends on um, on the organization and, and the sophistication of the desk. Mm. Okay, thanks. All right. Right now, can we talk about what a typical day of yours looks like, your roles and your responsibilities? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, and again, each desk is different. My day, the way it looks like is like I wake up in the morning, I open my phone and while I'm drinking my coffee at 6 a.m., I'll go through the news very fast, right? So I'll see all the small things that happen, the, the major alerts, any big changes in the currency overnight that I may have missed or need to be aware of. So I'll do that. And then I'll come in and like, look at my, my um, emails and, and calls and, and kind of address my clients issues. So I'll work on maybe immediate deals, or sometimes I have in the pipeline where I have to put a proposal together, right? So I'll have to go in and look at the market, a client given me a scenario, and then I'll go in and analyze and see what would be the best product for this client and how can I service them? And, and would it be worth, you know, uh, for them to hold this in foreign currency? Would it be worth for them to pay it off? Depending on the scenario. So a lot of my day involves talking to people, understanding their situation, and then for that. Between that, you also have those spot trades deals that, you know, we discussed before where people may come in and have a, a smaller request. And, and for, for many clients, we, we do handle that directly. Uh, but most of the days is being able to manage those exposures and having those conversations of understanding, is this a new business? How much of this will be recurring? You know, um, will you be present on, on in that country? Will you not? So that's kind of how assessing a situation is mostly, I'd say, I'd say it's 80% of my job is assessing a situation and then about 20% is implementing a solution. I'm, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of technology companies from startup to IPO, and the need changes drastically year over year, depending on the product and the and where the company is going. So those are really fun to see, especially you know being in the Bay Area and, and most of them are local. Um, I'd say nowadays, you know, with the global going global and the pandemic that has changed. We talk to people overseas all the time, but until a year ago, most of these companies were based in Silicon Valley Bank. And it was very exciting to talk about, you know, where are they going? What's happening? How did they get here? Where are they recruiting talent from? So FX is involved in all that. Like right. if you hire overseas or if, if you're getting paid overseas, like this is an element, it's part of a business. And the more we become one world because the world is getting smaller, the more this, uh, and as long as currencies, currencies exist in countries, mm -hmm. this market will keep growing. Yeah. And are you done with around 3 p.m. your time or what time are you um, So my typical, typically, you know, like I said, I, I usually start around seven and I'm done by four, 430 is four, usually okay, 430. All right. a work day. Yeah. And then is there any entertainment or entertaining clients at all? Any, any dinners or anything like that with uh -huh. clients? Uh -huh. So, yeah. So it's interesting you ask. So we built a very, in the, in the institution I am now, we built close relationships with our clients. So for us, a client is a, the most important element of the business. We pride ourselves on, on being a, a client service company and a bank. And what we do is we will follow the lead of a, of a relationship manager in the bank that has a relationship with the client. And if there is a, a need for an FX advisor to be there for a meeting, for a dinner, for whatever that is, we'll be there. Got it. So it's kind of like 
you know, you build your relationships based on the client needs. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. Now, as far as skills and characteristics, you mentioned you know, having an interest in the global markets and in, also in the, in the economy and being good at math. And also for you being an extrovert, are those skills and characteristics that are important? And what other skills and characteristics would you say are most important to be successful in your line of business? Sure. I'd say attention to detail. Mm. Currencies, uh, one number can make a big difference uh, mm. or placing a decimal in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, that is, that can cost you a lot. Um, so, and having an interest. So, so currency, the commodities, the commodity market and the currency market is, you're trading, right? So you're actually selling, you're buying, you're selling. So having an interest in the sale, in sales, mm-hmm. for sure. Let's see, what else can, can someone have an interest in? I think global markets, economics, math. If you, you know, if you're interested in looking up Greeks and things like that, the math is definitely, you can do that with effects. Like you have to build models that are sophisticated. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have that interest and, and, and drive for that. And would you say you need to be an extrovert? Well, not necessarily. It, It depends on the position you get in FX. So I'd say my position here is more of a sales role than actually a trader on the trading desk, right? right? So there's another, that's another distinction between in FX that you have small bubbles, right? In the FX market, you have the way the teams work, you have the advisory. So the FX advisors that usually is kind of like more of the salesy part, right? So these mm-hmm. are the people that like me will sit down and, and chat to the client trying to figure out what what's the best fit. Then you have the traders that do the transactions with institutions to get mm-hmm the funds. And those don't necessarily need to be extroverts, right? They don't necessarily deal with the clients directly. So there's a little disconnect there. So yeah, maybe the extrovert is, I guess that's how I, (laughs) I I see myself. So I, but yes. And then there's operations where, again, if you're interested in just crunching numbers and and kind of dealing with the operational side of it, um, doing all the settlements, then maybe that part is a, a better fit for an introvert. Right. Got it. Okay. All right. Now, can you talk about what you love about what you do? Well, I love talking to people, right? Mm. And I love learning about companies and what they do. The excitement of entrepreneurs for me is great. I like mm. it. I just feed off of it. Um, yeah. uh, where I can, you know, it's inspiring to see people of usually young people, but you also see older people too, like these days, like that are inspired to to make the next big thing happen or, or solve the big problem. And, um, and that enthusiasm for whatever they're doing is what what really I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, I think you know that's kind of um, I like talking to clients. I like talking to individuals. You know, they're they're always it's not always happy situations. Sometimes people are inherited in money because you know someone mm. passed away. But but that's also part of life. Right. Um, but like knowing that you are expanding and, and purchasing something or or uh, selling something overseas, uh, you see art galleries, right? They buy and sell all over the world. So that's kind of the aspect that makes me thrilled about this job. Also, the fact that it keeps me on my toes. Like I said, like, I have to know what's happening. Like, if there's an election happening tomorrow that may be important in Europe, I need to know. You know, if the central bank is meeting, the European Central Bank is meeting on Thursday, I need to know. What's the prediction? Are interest rates going to go further down, up? So all these things... um, are, are kind of what I what uh, fascinate me about this job. 
Yeah, very fascinating because you mentioned the art galleries and it just made me think that, geez, every type of company or institution is using these products. So no, that that's, that is amazing. And you're in the right place having all these entrepreneurs and having to talk to these entrepreneurs and, and hearing their stories and what they're trying to uh, resolve or what they're trying to create, it, that you're in the right place for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and just sometimes people don't think about foreign currency. Sometimes you talk mm -hmm. to clients and they think, you know, they'll do everything in dollars. And that sometimes leaves money on the table, right? So just bringing, uh, bringing up the option that you can do this in another way, you know, you, you can pay in local currency and that sometimes may benefit the recipient. And it's an eye opener too. I think, especially today when we have so much transparency in the world, because anyone can look up an interbank rate online. Right? You can look it up. You're like, okay, what's the euro trading at today? Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily what you see on the screen is what you'll get, but at least you get a sense because there's the back market. There's the market that the, that the financial institutions trade in, and then there's the front end, right? right. So like wholesale and, and retail price, mm. if I can make it as simple as that. So it's kind of important to understand to understand that distinction. People sometimes come and are upset that they weren't able to get what they saw on, on a Google screen um, and then, you know, educating people and explaining that there's different types of markets. Like you have to understand that it's not, when I say different type of markets, it's like, like I mentioned before, if you're trading $5,000 and a million dollars, then th there's a, a huge difference there because when you go into the interbank to get rates, mm -hmm. you know, where do you have liquidity? It's, it's the, the more you can um, trade, the, the more the liquidity you'll have. Mm -hmm. So um, there's, you know, institutions handle it in different ways, um, depending if they're doing real-time trades or they bulk their, their, their trades. But regardless, it's two different markets. So. Yep. Okay. And, and you mentioned earlier about, say, a company, for example, you said just use, doing everything in U.S. dollars and they could be losing out because of that. So when you have situations like that, a, a new company or a company, potential client, when you want to educate them on what they should be doing or what they could be doing, is that you reaching out to them? Is that your relationship Correct. managers or business development? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that would be the FX advisor that can okay. address the market and can provide more education around the currency that is used in those countries. Not everyone's familiar with all the currencies in the world, right? So right. especially when you're a business person, you're usually focused on what you're doing. You don't pay attention to these things. Unless your accountant or financial advisor gives you more information about it, you wouldn't even think about it, right? Right. Like, okay, I'm just selling this. I'll put it on a credit card or receive it. And like, but there are other ways. So just it's uh, so yes. Yeah, so that's where, as an expert in effects and international markets, I'll come in and talk to a client, educate them around that specific market that they're looking at, and give them their options. Got it. Okay. All right. Now you mentioned what you love about what you do. Now what about on the flip side? Challenges. What type of challenges are out there mm -hmm. for you? What keeps you up at night? Yes. Yes. So very time sensitive. Mm. This job is very time sensitive. Yeah. I think what keeps me up on night is like, I don't want to miss something <laughs> that may actually affect a business organization or an individual that has an exposure in that market. Yeah. So I think that's what keeps me up at night. There's certain things you can control and certain things that you can't. And you have to be fair and tell yourself that, okay, you can't solve everyone's problems. You're providing solutions. And if, if people can uh, gravitate towards them, that's great. But you can't control the market. So, you know, 
if someone is looking to make money out of a trade, that's not my job. My job is to provide the information that I see in front of me and we don't play markets. That's not what part of this position is. It's about providing real-time rates and mitigating risk through different products. And that is, yes, that is the downside too, because like I said, time sensitivity is important and every minute counts. And if a client needs to get something done today and they didn't come to me before my cutoff time, I can't help them, yeah. right? So that's definitely not the most pleasant conversation you'll have, <laughs> right? but it's the reality, right? And then right. Uh, some things happen overnight. They're unpredictable. So for people that don't mitigate their risk and have exposure, you know, you see volatility in the market that is crazy, like over two and 3%. And people that didn't trade on one day that because they thought that, oh, okay, maybe tomorrow will be a better day may end up losing a lot of money. So that's kind of the, um, it's, it's a pain point for me. I, I don't like seeing people feeling unhappy with the services. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so with that, I was going to ask you what memorable moment sticks out for you. So I guess I'll ask is this way. One is, can you think of any situation where overnight there was just a crazy movement and just the last time that that's happened? And on top of that, if that's not a memorable moment that sticks out for you, can you talk about a memorable moment or memorable moments that stick out in your career? Uh-huh. Um, well, there's many moments that stick out in my career and not only in effects, but right. in if, I think putting your best foot forward always gets recognized mm-hmm. no matter where you are. And for me, it's memorable that, that that happened several times in my career and being a woman and it's always, you, you work in a financial, financial institutions are very male dominated. Yeah. It's the nature of the business or, or it, it has been so far. We're hoping that it's changing mm-hmm. as women start stepping it up and, and we add more diversity into the workforce. I think that that definitely will change. So for me, being recognized among my peers and especially male peers has always made me proud. Yeah. So that's that's definitely one thing. I've received a few awards internally in all the organizations that I've worked for so far. So uh, from a helping hand award to a rising star award. So internally, my willingness to, to do the best job I can has been recognized and, and I'm fortunate yeah. for that. That's great. So that's all memorable. And I don't regret anything in my career so far and all the jumps I've made and all the hoops I've gone through. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I think you know, in in foreign exchange, a few things that I, I'm really proud of is being able to deal with transactions in sizes that I probably would never have considered that I would do in my career. Yeah. And that is just for me mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like wow, I was able to help companies move money like uh, my my this is what my son describes of me he when i asked him what do i do he says oh my mom works for first republic bank and she moves money around the world <laughs> and that's exactly what what we do like mm-hmm. you know we move money we're a domestic bank but we help people move money internationally and get it where it needs to go um that's perfect how, how old is yeah. your son <laughs> He's six. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, I asked him before I got on this podcast, I said, so what do I do? <laughs> you, should and be, that's... you should be doing this podcast instead of me. He's been doing a good <laughs> <That's great. laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, so that's uh, that's definitely, you know, th- hearing clients say thank you and I appreciate mm-hmm. everything you've done. And even if it's a one-liner on an email is just the reward I get and I'm happy to have that. That's, yeah. That makes me proud, makes me want to keep going and, and doing this apart from my interest in the market, but just like it, it is rewarding and everyone can be helped one way or the other, right? And we're here to... Everybody, I think, in in every organization, any service organization, should have the mentality that we're here to help. It's a service; we should help. You don't always have the solution, but you know you can ask, you can get a second opinion, and if you can't do something, you just tell people you can't do it. But at least give them the right advice and where you can. Yeah. And what did you get promoted to a managing director? So that was um, in 2017. When I entered this organization, First Republic Bank, mm-hmm. I was given this opportunity, and it's been a fantastic career so far. Um, great place, great colleagues. I think another thing that's important in a career is finding the right people yeah. to work with and feeling that you're part of a team. So that is always as competitive as a team can be because, you know, when you're in a sales position, there is competition and it's healthy to have it. It's also healthy to be able to uh, to share knowledge. Yeah. Great, great advice. With that advice, do you have any other advice for people getting into a foreign exchange or in finance in general? You've given great advice throughout the interview, but just want to see if you had any other advice. I'd say travel. Before you even go, go to a country and use the local currency and touch the paper money, <laughs> you know, apart from the, the just the, the idea of a currency or a credit card, just uh, get a feel for it. And if you like this, this, you know, if you like foreign exchange, if you like international business, mm-hmm. foreign exchange is a part of that career. It could be part of that career. So that would be my advice. Like if, if there's any international element in you you want to explore, explore foreign exchange. And are there any periodicals or anything that they should be reading? And are there any currencies that they should maybe track daily? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. I think there are a lot of newsletters out there and every financial institution has, I'd say, a a snapshot of uh, what happened in the market the day before. So you can, you know, regardless where you are banking right now, you probably can subscribe for one of those. Or even if you're not a a member, you probably can reach out and put your email somewhere. So there are millions and and hundreds of those. So I I wouldn't, I wouldn't just advise on one or two, but I would advise on looking at the G10, which is just the major currencies. You know, the pound is the oldest currency in the world. So, you know, if you can just take uh, some time and read about it or, or take a look at, at the history of the pound and what it's done. That's a, a good way of like being informed and, and learning. And just, it's a market that you have to be constantly following. It's evolves. It evolves. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a constant theme, but it changes over time. So, you know, I started, I got really involved in foreign exchange in, in 2012, late 2012. And I see the market now. Like if you ask me in 2012, so what do you know? All my peers at that time were like, take a look, read, go back in history. And, and But you can't relate <laughs> because yeah. you weren't there at that period of time. So it's kind of hard. But now, you know, I know which years and which periods currencies fluctuated more because I've followed it all through that time. Yeah. So it builds up, it builds up and it doesn't take long to build up. So that would be my advice if you want to get into this market, even for the interest of just 
being informed. Yeah. Yeah. Keep tracking it. Keep listening. And that, like you said, that that lingo will, will come to you. The, and you can come in the morning and kind of figure out where the markets are going or, or just kind of guess where the markets are going based on your knowledge every day, listening and yes. watching. Yeah. And taking it all in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, there's well, no school. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but there is that certification, right? There is. ACI. There is. I think that yeah. yes, ACI. That's it, it. Like I said, 1955, and they've been in, based in Paris. They try to build an organization that's still holding up and trying to to make sure that there's an ethical behavior behind this service. Okay. Good. All right. Well, Spasia, this has been great. We are at the end of this interview. I'm going to move over to a quick hitter session. We're going to ask you questions for fun just to get to know you a little bit better. But before I do that, though, is there anything additional that you would like to discuss or anything you might have felt like I left off asking you? I think we covered most of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy if, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm here for questions. Okay, <laughs> great, great. All right, well, let's go to this quick hitter session. So first question. What's your favorite sports team? Oh, uh, Giants. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Giants. Favorite movie? Don't, or- yes. Don't tell my husband because okay. he's an A's fan. Okay. <laughs> Wait, he's a what? He's an A's he's fan? He's an A's fan. Okay, okay. San Fran versus Oakland. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Favorite, favorite movie or show? Oh, um, Dead Poets Society mm-hmm. was my favorite movie. Um show i've watched some really good shows recently the last kingdom oh okay yeah i haven't seen it but it looks good favorite musical artist or group bon jovi Mm. forever (laughs) (laughs) love it favorite vacation spot well greece yeah I figured you were going to say that. <laughs> I want to go there. That's hopefully our okay, next Okay, yeah. okay. You let me know when. You let me know. I will. I definitely will. Favorite food or drink? I like to eat a lot of stuff. I'd say I prefer fish over meat. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't, there's no one's, uh, coffee, coffee and wine are the beverages that, you know, I can't live without. <laughs> but... Uh, any particular uh, type of wine or red wine, white wine? Red. Red wine. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, this has been great. You have a fantastic career. You've given great advice on this interview. It's been a great interview. And I just love what you do. I love how you're helping your clients and helping people. And you can tell that you're great at doing it by all the awards that you've won and, and where you are right now, your seats you are right now. So just continue doing what you're doing. And just congrats on all your achievements so far. And thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it was a pleasure and an honor. Uh, and uh, and take care. Oh, yeah. And, and if, if people have any comments or questions for you or. Yes, um, please. Yeah. People can reach out to me via LinkedIn. I'm happy to answer any questions, uh, inquiries. If nothing else, we Stop by and say hello. <laughs> nice. Great. Thanks a lot. Have a Thank good you. one. All you right. too. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.